This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we're previewing the last chance for Bates track and field athletes to qualify for nationals. We take a look back at the women's lacrosse team's NCAA tournament game, and we talk with Bobcat tennis star Ben Rosen, who's headed to the NCAA singles championships. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. On Sunday, the ninth-ranked women's lacrosse team lost a heartbreaker at Garcelon Field to Springfield by a score of 3-2 in the second round of the NCAA championships. The defensive struggle was the lowest-scoring game in the tournament's 36-year history. Junior Kaylee McGuire put the Bobcats up 1-0 in the game's eighth minute with a free-position goal. But Springfield tied the game up with 16.55 to go in the first half on a free-position goal of their own. Bates grabbed the lead again in the second half as senior Mariah Greenstein found senior Alex Bryady for the go-ahead score with 20.59 to go in the game. With under 12 minutes to go, Springfield took advantage of the yellow card to score the game-tying goal. Then Mahoney put the pride on top for good with her second goal of the game with 6.10 left in regulation. Bates came close to tying it up multiple times, but Springfield keeper Gabby Anderson tallied nine saves on the afternoon. The Bobcats finished their season with a 12-6 record, the second most wins in program history. The men's and women's track and field teams competed at the Open New England Outdoor Championships this weekend. The Bates men finished 8th out of 38 teams from across Division I, Division II, and Division III, while the women finished 13th. Our Bobcats of the week come from the track and field programs. Sophomore out of D-Ray Faccariti tallied a new personal best and moved up the national list in the discus throw. Placing second overall with a top effort of 165 feet 9 inches on Saturday. Faccariti moved into 7th place on the Division Three performance list this season, and he also jumped from 9th place to 5th on Bates' all-time performance list in the event. On Friday, Faccariti added two team points by placing 7th in the hammer throw with a top effort of 171 feet 3 inches. For his efforts, Faccariti is our male Bobcat of the Week. Joined by sophomore out of D-Ray Faccariti, our male Bobcat of the Week, talking about the Open New England Outdoor Championships, you always love competing against the D1 opponents, right? And you did great in the discus. A uh, new personal best. Uh, what was it like out there? It was actually pretty fun. Um, this whole uh, year, I've been uh, slowly progressing, and I got up to 49, 23 meters, and 50 was the big, uh, the the next big jump. And I had I had uh, actually gone down a lot in my past. Me went down to 47, and then 47 again. And it was huge to throw 50 meters three times in this meet. So I was actually really pumped about that. And then the Open New England's obviously, it's a very selective meet, and so you're competing against a lot of elite competition. So what's that like? It was actually really good. Um, a lot of the guys that um, were kind of in between, a little bit above me, like the guy who beat me, he beat me by five meters, throwing 55. But there were a couple guys who were like kind of a little bit more ahead, uh, ahead of me in terms of distances, but they didn't show up because of IC4As. But I think like the way the competition like um, was, it was perfect. It was the ideal environment to kind of like see new personal records. 
so you just had one event on Friday, the Hammer, and then only one event on Saturday. And so that's is that easier to prepare for than doing it all at once? Yeah, I think that's absolutely easier to prepare for because uh, the Hammer, the Hammer, getting that over with the day before that um, and placing seventh was like pretty fun. And it was kind of a surprise because I've been kind of like off in the Hammer lately, but like it was a huge learning experience. And I think like moving forward, I'm going to be a lot better in the Hammer, but. Definitely getting the hammer done on Friday and focusing, getting a good night of sleep and focusing all my energy on the disc the following days is the best way to go. And then from a technique perspective, obviously I've seen you do both the hammer and the discus, and they both involve you know spinning around, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. But what are some similarities and differences between the techniques to succeed in those events? I would say with hammer, there's kind of like a, it's kind of like a template. Like for for you to have a good hammer throw, you have to be on your both of your feet double support for as long as possible so I kind of like hold it to like 180 but like ideally I'm supposed to hold it to 270 degrees and um, in uh, discus it's more of like similar to shot put in the sense that like out the back you you're on your left leg you sprint off your left leg and you land on both legs and you launch it so like I don't know they're not they're very different in the sense that hammer is a lot more difficult than discus I think personally why is it more difficult because there's so many things that could go wrong, you know, like you can you can have double support and you might keep your hands in and then you mess up your radius or you're getting pulled too much or you're not letting the ball pull you enough. There's just so many different factors, um, balance and whatnot that, that goes into like the, uh, the, the, the hammer versus the discus where even if you're not great in the circle, if you have a nice pull in the front, that compromises. And if you don't have a good hit in the front, if you're good in the circle, you can still make up for it. So... And then with the with the hammer, I know um, is there is there a certain range you have to keep it in the field of play, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you can't just fling it anywhere. You can't. Um, <laughs> and actually, the sector for the hammer is a lot wider, mm. not too much, but it's wider than the sector for the uh, for the uh, discus. So there's more margin of error for okay. the hammer rather than the discus. Gotcha. Now we got ECACs coming up. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember about these from last year? What are you looking for this year? Oh wow! I remember ECACs was actually my last meet last year. Uh, I was one spot away from being all ECAC, so it was definitely it definitely drove me a lot to work really, really hard this summer, and uh, I, I'm actually quite grateful that things turned out the way it did last year. I was hoping to make it to nationals last year, which was a very lofty goal, but uh, um, not even being all ECAC really pushed me to uh, like really train hard this summer, and I, I really... I'm very appreciative of that failure. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice to kind of know you already pretty much have a slot set in nationals, at least for yeah, two events. Absolutely, yeah. Um, for discus, it's definitely in stone, being in seventh. But hammer, I mean, I would like to say it's in place, but um, it's possible that that might not make it. But uh, but it's good to know that I'm going for one thing. And, like, I'm 100% sure I'm going for discus, but, like, hammer is up in the air. But it would be nice to go for two. Absolutely, and we don't want to get greedy, but there is that shot put that you did not participate in at Open New England, but you are doing again at ECAC. So what's the motivation behind doing it one last time, maybe to have possible PR at least, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> definitely, I would like to have a possible PR in the in the event, but, I mean, ECAC is pretty big. I would have to PR by six six feet to make it to nationals, which is which is a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you and Nick, obviously, you have your different specialties. Nick's specialty is a shot put, so he's in pretty good shape yeah. there. And then you look at you're kind of both overlap at the hammer throw. You're both pretty good in that yeah. middle ground. Why do you think that is? I don't. I. That's actually that's actually pretty interesting. It's just like the hammer is just something that we we personally love a lot. Like, uh, we, he obviously loves shot put practice, but like, there's something about the hammer that's just so so interesting about it in the sense that like, um, it's kind of like it's open like if you if you are dedicated you're patient in all your turns you just hit it in the front 
you're gonna let one fly and like I think that's what keeps us coming keep coming in that circle and now we're talking with Al Farashidi about this but obviously other you know throwers and, and, and male track and field athletes are going to ECACs also with the hopes of possibly qualifying for nationals who are some of the guys on the bubble that you've talked to or do you know of uh Jeff Jones now he's 21st in the nation in the triple jump so and the guy ahead of him is only ahead of him by one centimeter so if he can PR by two three centimeters he basically uh secures himself um Tyler Harrington a freshman javelin thrower he's uh 19th in the nation so I mean theoretically that can go but I mean he'd love to, it'd be nice that for him to have a PR and solidify his position Alan Sumerall is 22nd in the nation in a 10K, and he's behind by about, like, I want to say about uh, 20 seconds, which is which is not that much. Those are mainly the people who are on the cusp, and I'm not sure about the relays. I'm not sure how far off they are, but I'm sure there's a relay or two that has a contention to go to the uh, to, to nationals. Yeah, and then obviously those guys, they haven't really been before, have they? No, yeah. they haven't. They have, Alan has been for, for cross-country, but yeah. Uh, but Jeff and all those guys are good, and that'll set the team up for next year, having those guys have that experience under their belt. Because, I mean, there's no meet like nationals. It's just different. Like, um, from my personal experience indoors, like, a lot, like, what I ended up throwing to make make it to finals was basically the cutoff, like, the 15th spot for nationals. So, like, people don't really perform as well in nationals because the stage is so large. So, I think it's definitely, it's it's a place to, to, to really grow as an athlete, I think, in terms of, uh, mentally, um, mentally learning a lot about yourself and what you're made of. So, I would be really nice to have a big group go this year. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. ECAC is coming up this week, and then after that, nationals at the end of next week. Adiray Fakariti, I'm Real Bobcat of the Week. Thanks, Thanks so, much. so much. On the women's track and field team, sophomore Sristi Sunil long jumped 18 feet and five inches on her third attempt of the day on Friday, 0.75 inches beyond her previous team record of 18 feet, 4.25 inches, set two weeks ago at the NESCAC Championships. Sunil scored 16 points for placing third in the event out of 22 competitors. On Saturday, Bates' 4x100 relay team of Sunil, junior Allison Hill, senior Alexis Dickinson, and junior Claire Marconic placed seventh overall and second in Division Three with a time of 48.13 seconds, lowering the team record by a whopping .33 seconds. For her record-setting performances, Sunil is our female Bobcat of the Week. Long jump for you. You're a sophomore. When did you start participating in the long jump? Take us through how you first got involved in that event, whether it be high school before then or in college. Um, Much before. I started, I'm actually from India, so I started track when I was, I think, eight years old, eight or ten. So I've been doing it for a while now. And I originally started off with the sprints. And then once I started growing older, my coach put me in different events. So that's when I started long jump, high jump, and triple jump. Yeah, because I saw, obviously, you're also part of the 4x100 relay yeah, team. Yeah. And so you, you're, you're kind of doing a field event and a track event sort of at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, I actually originally wasn't part of the 4x1. It was Sally Cisse. And now she's in London, so right. I took her spot. Okay. And so it, it was a little different for me to start off with the 4x1, but seems to be working out so yeah so middle of the season you jump into that role that Sally used to have what was that like joining that team um it was fun everyone was really supportive and the Calvin our coach was very very excited so that got me excited so I, I like it a lot it's it's different so it's nice yeah in a relay team tell us a little bit about some of the challenges of, of, on a relay team as opposed to when you're out there by yourself um 
I would say just like when I'm out there by myself, it's more up to me. So if I disappoint anyone, it's just myself. But really, team, if something goes wrong, it's like my fault and you're letting the whole team down. So that was kind of scary. But everyone here is really supportive. So even if I did make a mistake, they wouldn't be mad or upset about anything. So that's that's kind of nice. But it is different compared to an individual event and then doing this. Yeah, and then the long jump, um, you had your personal best yes. um, this past weekend at Open New England. And I understand the weather was not ideal. Yeah. So what was that like? <laughs> um, it was hard. But the thing is, last weekend at New England D3s, it was the same weather and I didn't do as well. So I was like, okay, this week I have to do well. I have to redeem myself. And that happened and it was surprising. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good that if I could do that in bad weather, then maybe I could do better in good weather. So that was good. And then your training regimen when you're training for both doing a long jump and then also now on the relay team, what's that like? How do you balance the two? Um, we usually have different days for each event. So it's not too hard, but coming in and doing the sprinting workout was a little tiring at first, but now I'm getting used to it. But it's it's been it's been fun. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're a sophomore here. So how do you initially decide to come to Bates for college? Um, I know a lot of international students sometimes go to boarding school first and right. then come to school here. Yeah. Or how did it work for you? I actually went to high school here. So I went to boarding school in Northfield, Mount Hermon. It's in Western Massachusetts. Okay. Um, so at first, I it wasn't my idea to come here. My parents wanted me to come here because of better training facilities and like education as well and I was going to come here after high school but coming here for high school was a shock for me and then over there my college counselor went to Bowdoin and I wanted to be in like a small liberal arts college so she had me look at all of these colleges and I really like Bates I like the community feel and everything else so that's how I chose it and did you, and you obviously wanted to do track and field yeah, here yeah yeah I yeah I spoke to coach Art and then I had a tour with him and we were in contact for Quite a, quite a while before I applied. Yeah, and what made Bates, you felt, the right fit, and has it lived up to what your expectations were, what's been the like, experience like so far? Um, it definitely has. <laughs> it, it's over-exceeded my expectations. Um, I don't know. I just, I when I, I came and visited, it was a sunny day. It was really nice outside, and I just liked, I don't know, something about Bates reminded me a lot about my high school, so I just wanted to be here. So, yeah. Excellent, and then I know, um, ACACs this week, middle of the week. I know for the long jump, you're right, you're close. I'm, yeah, you're I'm close. So, close. What, what's the mentality right now in a couple um, days away here for your last chance? Um, I think it's just go out there, do my best. I'm trying not to focus on like the distance because that's when I mess up more. So, it's more about like having fun with it. It's my last chance, maybe, maybe not. So, yeah, I think it's just doing my best and hopefully it's good weather this time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That would definitely help. Well, congrats yeah. again on being our female Bobcat of the Week, Thank and good you. luck at ECAC. Thank you so much. For both track and field teams, the ECAC Division Three Outdoor Championships this Wednesday and Thursday marks the last chance for athletes to qualify for nationals. Men's head coach Al Farashidian breaks down who's in and who's on the bubble. Talking men's track and field here on the Bobcast with head coach Al Farashidian. And first of all, coach, the Open New England Outdoor Championships D-Ray just keeps setting personal bests. He was our male Bobcat of the week this week. What allows him to continue to improve, it seems like, each and every week? 
Well, I think a big part of it is his confidence is, is improving significantly. He's always had a lot of, you know, outstanding physical skills. Uh, but now he, he is going into these meets expecting to do well, and he's, he's uh, going in with a very relaxed mindset, confident of himself. And, and uh, really, to throw far, you have to stay relaxed, and he does a very, very good job of that. How do you evaluate the team's overall performance at the Open New England's obviously going up against Division I opponents? Well, we're really pleased. I mean, it's an interesting meet. It's not one that we typically line our entries up to score as many points and try to, try to you know, finish as high as we can. But to be in the top ten, I think we're the third Division Three team, uh, to score as many points as we did I think was, was outstanding. It's always a great meet for us. It's, it's a great uh, precursor to a national championship because, generally speaking, we find the fields to be relatively comparable uh, with what they're, we're going to see at the NCAAs. And then we have ECACs coming up here this week, uh, middle of the week. Uh, last chance for anyone who wants to try to qualify for nationals. Who are some guys right now on the bubble who we should watch out for who are getting their last shot to possibly get in that you know top 20 or whatnot? Well, uh, you know, Jeff Jones is probably um, he's in the triple jump. He's uh, right now currently ranked 21st. They'll take 20. Uh, so he's got to jump a little farther, but if he could go conceivably even four inches further than where he's at right now, I think he'd probably be a pretty easy selection. So he's right he's right on the cusp and I think has the opportunity to do very, very well. Uh, Tyler Harrington in the Javelin in first year has had a sensational year, um, just a fantastic performance this weekend, finishing third at the All-New England Championships and and, um, and with a lifetime best of 196 feet. So he's, he's moving in a great direction. He's seated 19th right now, so he's in a position where he's got to kind of fend off any other challengers, uh, but I know I know that 200-foot marker isn't too far away right now, and I know that's kind of burning in, in the back of his mind, so we're hoping that we might see something there. Um, you know, and that, that should be good. All right, so look out for what Tyler and Jeff do here this upcoming week in, in the ECACs, and then I know Nick and D-Ray are pretty much in pretty good positions themselves, obviously great positions in some cases for Nationals, so what is their mindset, you think, coming in to this last meet before the, the big one coming up in Iowa? Uh, the ECAC meet's always been a good meet for our throwers. Uh, they've always done very, very well. The throws are a type of event where you can compete week in and week out. And, and, and so I think, you know, just staying in that normal rhythm of going in and competing, uh, we're going to see a lot of guys that we don't see throughout the course of the regular season, but some of the guys that we will see at nationals. So it really is kind of a nice tune-up for them. Um, I anticipate that they're going to do very, very well. Uh, you know, Nick is rank, ranked very highly in the shot, and, and D-Ray is very high in the uh, discus, and both are pretty solid in the hammer. So, uh, you know, I think I, I think they have taken on the pride of the tradition of the Bates throwers, and, and uh, adding Tyler in there now is kind of a you know three-headed beast that we have going, and I know they're looking forward to going out and performing really well. We talked about this off tape, but uh, Alan Summerall is running a 5K at the ECHCs after running the 10K at the Open New Englands, and we mentioned that. You know, Summerall right now is kind of on the outside looking in for the 10K. And so what's his mindset right now since he's not going to get another shot with that, but he's doing a 5K instead, you think? Well, I think the main thing is he needs to be ready to race because if he does get accepted into the 10K at Nationals, right now he's currently ranked 22nd, so we'll need a little bit of luck for that to happen. If he does get in, um, you know, everybody starts at scratch, and it's about who's prepared and who's ready to compete. It's not about chasing times anymore. So we're going to use the 5K this weekend to give him a good competitive race. There's going to be uh, some very good runners in the 5K, and, and ultimately, um, you know, if – 
the best thing he can do for himself right now is to run a great 5K, maybe take a shot at qualifying there. He could have an outside shot. Uh, at the same time, you know, if he does get that chance in the 10, I think a good fast five this week would really help give him that confidence going into 10 at nationals that he's ready to go. Okay, great. And then any other thoughts on what we should look out for the ECACs here this week? Well, this is our last opportunity to compete in the ECAC championships, and um, NESCAC is moving away from the ECAC championships in the future. And so, and it's been a special meet for us over the years. We've won it a number of times, indoors and outdoors. Uh, we've got a great lineup going in there. Um, we are going to be running some very good relays. Uh, we're going to keep some our, our, some of our runners fresh so, so they can run relays. So I'm expecting to see some of our fastest times of the years in the relay. Um, and and with the you know individual events that we have out there, we have good scores. So I suspect we're going to be you know kind of right in the middle of this thing. So it should be a lot of fun. Women's head coach Jay Hartshorn looks back at Open New England's and gives her take on the current status of our female track and field athletes' chances to go to nationals. We actually had a lot of people stand out because we broke four school records and we didn't have that many competitors. So we started off with a 10K, three girls went down and did pretty well in that. And then on Friday night in not great weather, Allie broke her school record again and the hurdles, the 100 hurdles, and then probably in worse weather, um, Shristi long jumped 18.5 and just moved up a tiny bit on uh, the national list. And then the next day was really a great day. We only had four entries and all of them scored. Ali broke her school record. The 4 by one broke their school record by quite a bit. Aiden broke our school record by almost a second in the 800, which is quite significant and then Jess Wilson ran I think her second best time ever and also scored. So a lot of uh, small field that competed but all really good results. Yeah and we are we held out some kids just to rest them up for ECACs because the two meets are really close together so the sprinters can and jumpers can do tweak their training a little bit more than the middle distance distance runners. And then this week is the last ever for NESCAC schools, ECACs. Um, obviously, it's the last chance for a lot of these runners and, and field athletes to qualify for nationals. So who right now maybe is on the bubble who we should really watch out for as a shot to get a qualifying time or distance or whatnot? So um, Alexis Dickinson is still right on the cutoff in the 100. She'll be doing that again. Our relay is just a couple tenths away from going really and so there may be further down the list but the list is so tight that if you take two tenths off three tenths off and you know which is a, a big amount of time but it doesn't actually look that large um the four by one they would have a good shot of making it um and then aiden eikoff in the 800 is at a place where it's a little harder to tell with the 8 and the 15 because some women declare in one event, not another event. So those are the ones that have the most melt that you really have to wait and see. Some years, if they take 22 on the women's side, some years it might be 25, some years it might be 28. In the 1500, we've seen it go into the 30s. So both Aiden and, and Jess would have maybe a little bit of an advantage because of that because you do get melt. You don't get melt in the four by one. You don't really get melt in the hundred. You don't get much melt in jumps or field events. Um, so those would be the big ones that you know we're hoping for. And then we have a, we have some a good entries in 5K, 10K, steeplechase. So we have a lot going on this 
week. I felt like it was sort of important because it was our last one to try to get everybody there and have a little bit more of a presence than um, maybe we would in other years. Gotcha. And then who are some of the athletes who we are pretty sure, we don't want to say guarantee, but are pretty confident are going to nationals right now? Um, well, really, Allie yeah. Hill and the other one would be Sally Cisse. Yeah. So they both have been up there all season. Um, Allie's going to run the 400 hurdles again this weekend, which she hasn't done since NESCAC. And if she can lower her time and make it, because she's right on the bubble in that event, but we haven't really been worrying about that because we know that she'll go in the 100 hurdles. We'd love her to go in both, but not to the point that we were just going to run it and run it and run it. So she'll do it again a little bit fresher this weekend and see if she can run faster than she did at NESCAC. And there'll be good competition too. So if she does make it to nationals, this will be a little bit more like what that would be like. And that would just be a good experience and kind of a good workout a week out from nationals if you're going to do the 400 hurdles just to kind of do it once and then rest up a little bit and go from there. Sure, and this being the last ECACs, does that mean much to you at all? Or like, I know you've been involved in the NESCAC for a long time here as a coach and an athlete. Um, it does. I think for Bates, it's maybe a little bit of a, a bigger meet than other schools because other schools, like, I know Bowdoin has finals this weekend. Connecticut College has finals this weekend. So they're really, their kids are having to decide, do I want to do this meet? Do I want to do our finals? All of our kids are here. So they're like really primed. They're ready to go. They're still really enthusiastic. So it's more of a culmination for us than for other schools. So I think we probably feel it a little bit more in outdoor um, and you know, but we don't really have control of it. I would be probably more disappointed about it, except for the fact that we're not the only conference that's doing this. So I think in a year or two or three, um, it's not going to be the meet it once was. But it was good in the sense of sometimes we were in Pennsylvania and sometimes we were in New York. And so it was fun for the students to maybe get to some different places and have it feel like more of a championship because you're just going further from home. All right, Coach, thanks so much for the update. Looking forward to Nationals here in a few weeks. All right, thank you. In men's tennis, junior Chris Ellis and sophomore Ben Rosen were both selected to the all-NESCAC first team. And Rosen got selected for the NCAA Singles Championships. Coming up May 26th through 28th in Kalamazoo, Michigan. We caught up with Rosen to talk about his rise to the top. Joined by Ben Rosen here on the Bates Bobcast talking about going to individual nationals and men's tennis. What was your reaction when you found out you were part of that 32-man field? It was a pretty special moment. I found out when I was on the tennis court, actually, and uh, it, it was a pretty big surprise for me. I, I knew I had a chance, but it was, it was awesome to share that moment with my coach, and uh, we're very pumped about it. You were actually on the court, so who like did someone like yell it out to you? Hey, you made it. <laughs> no, I checked my phone and uh, I got an email from uh, Kevin McHugh, and uh, was very happy. Obviously, nice. And then obviously, this is, you're a sophomore. This is your first time going to nationals. But I know Chris Ellis, who was your doubles partner this year, went last year as part of a doubles team. Have you talked to him about the experience at all? Yeah, I've talked to him, and uh, my coach also has provided some good uh, guidelines as for training and. Uh, They've, they've uh, taught me a lot so far. I know how to prepare, and um, they told me what to expect, really. Um, as as I, I knew, I mean, everyone's good there. Everyone wants it just as much as I do, so these couple weeks are, are crucial for training, and they showed me a, a kind of a good uh, regimen for uh, what to do. What's it like not knowing who you're going to play to, like, right up to the last minute? It's kind of weird. Um, 
Uh, it causes some anxiety, but um, I think I just hope that I get to play someone that's not from Northeast, uh, a new player, but everyone's good, and it doesn't really matter who I play, to be honest. We'll see how it goes. I know you've already played and beaten a number of the players in the field. What, does that give you a lot of confidence going in? Uh, it gives me confidence. I know I could hang with the players and beat pretty much everyone, I mean, on any given day. I could lose to anyone on any given day. So, yeah, it gives me confidence, and... Uh, I think I'm prepared, ready to go. And then what is the training process going to be like? Is it going to be kind of weird because you're the only one kind of in season now? Right, it's a little it's a little funky. Um, I'm dragging my coach on the court a lot. He's been hitting balls. He's been uh, crushing me a lot. And I'm, I'm getting teammates to come out, and we do good uh, individual hits. And, um, of course, my captains come out, and all the teammates are still excited to hit. They're, they're very pumped, and they're, they're motivated. I know when you were a first year, you mostly played like number five singles, right? And this year, you've mostly played at number one singles. So, w when did you realize you'd be playing at number one singles, and w what was the experience like for you to have that challenge? Um, I didn't, I didn't realize I'd play number one until very late. I, I played my first uh, couple matches at number two, and uh, it just turned out that coach told me I'd, I'd get the spot, and um, it's the way it went for the rest of the season. And I think. Uh, is a pretty weird moment for me. I didn't think, going into the season, I didn't think I'd play number one, especially after playing number five. But uh, I, I surprised myself. I surprised a lot of people. And I'm just glad I did as well as I did. And I'm excited for uh, nationals. Absolutely. And so what are some of those maybe specific things Chris or Coach Gassinger have told you about the experience of going to nationals? Um, they said uh, one, one aspect that people don't realize is the amount that fitness comes into play because um, you play if you if you keep on winning you play five matches in three days and so at a certain point it becomes more about uh, conditioning and heart I guess not so much about tennis because everyone there can play great tennis and it's really about who who's not sore for the second match of the day and who's who's willing to just keep on battling. And then for you, you might actually have an advantage because the team, obviously, unfortunately, is not in nationals, but a lot of the players you'll be playing will be probably playing in their team nationals beforehand. You think you may, maybe you might have an edge there that might be a little tired? Honestly, probably not. Okay. <laughs> um, no, they'll be ready to go. I think I'm an advantage because it's short term and I have more time for training right now. I think that's pretty cool. I'm not very stressed out I'm taking class, but it's okay. Um, but... It, it's true. Who knows? A lot of the players I'm going to play are in team nationals, and so they'll be there out. They're, they'll be out there already. So we'll see. And then playing against Coach Gassinier in practice, you probably didn't normally do that during the season. Now you are. What's that experience like? Right. I, I didn't play with him during the season. Uh, I played with, with him for the first time like last week, and it's pretty cool. Uh, he's incredibly good at tennis. I knew that, but it really. I was surprised when I played him. He, he crushes the ball. And you can really learn a lot. He's, I love hitting with him because he forces you to play your best tennis. And it's a good way to prepare for the tournament because it's, uh, he forces you to hit deep. And if I don't play my best, then he crushes the ball. So it prepares me well. Was there any point like during the course of the season where you started to think to yourself as you're playing number one, as you're winning these matches, that you might have a shot at, at nationals? Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> it was very hard to keep it out of my mind. Um, but, I mean, I mean... I knew how to like. I knew it wasn't the right way to think. I I had to keep it out of my mind. I had to focus on the process. I I told you before that um, 
our, our team focuses a lot on like just staying in the moment, not thinking about results. And this was like the hardest part of it, but I really tried not to think about it. But during the season, I knew there was a chance, but if some matches didn't go my way, I had a lot of three setters. And if I didn't win some of those, I might not be going to this national tournament. So yeah, it was in my mind, but I tried not to think about it. During the season, you officiate yourselves a lot. Will you actually have referees at this national <laughs> event or not? Do you know? Yes, I, I hear there are umpires in chairs. Um, watching over the matches, which is pretty cool, especially because uh, it gets a little funky. Like, you know, there's some arguments sometimes in our matches, but um, yeah, it's gonna, hopefully it's gonna cause for some good uh, sportsmanship on the court. Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Ben Rosen going to individual nationals. Congrats again, thanks so much. Thank you. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We will preview the women's rowing team's chances to repeat as NCAA champions and take a look at the Bobcats who will represent the track and field teams at Nationals. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates.